calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hello and welcome to the IGN UK podcast. It's me, Simon Cardi, with Dale Driver. Hello. And Matt Perslow. Hello. It's very windy today, isn't it, boy? Oh, yeah. Windy boy. What's the, what's the storm called again? Uh, is this one Eunice? Something like that. There's a lot. There seems to have been like loads of storms. Which I think this one's Eunice, um, which isn't very threatening. But then again, I'm imagining like a really old lady maybe wielding a knife. <laughs> so that would be quite scary. Um, yeah, if you're not from the UK... You might not know, we're currently experiencing 90 mile an hour gales in some parts of the country, so people are staying at home. It's I'm looking at a tree in my garden right now that is looking perilously flimsy. <laughs> it's but, clinging um, on for dear life. Yeah. Um, let's be, there's not going to be many birds landing in that uh, bird seed feeder. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's very stormy. It does also mean, because like the 10 people stay at home, that the kids next door, my next door neighbours at home, and sometimes they're very loud. So I'm going to apologise now. If anyone hears any screaming children, I promise they are next door neighbours. They have nothing to do with me. Before we started this podcast, we've been in this call for a while. I've only just realised that you're not in your normal room. What's going on? Yeah, I know. Well, because I've got got the house to myself, and I thought, you know what? That's why people might be noticing the acoustics are a bit different. I mean, I'm in a bigger room in the living room. Um, But yeah, it means I can look out into my garden, into the shed, the fabled shed um Fabled. which is standing for yeah um anyway that's enough that's the most british opening of all time isn't it talking about the weather for two minutes um should we get on to the important stuff and is there really any more important place to start this week than the reintroduction of the prong cocktail what's it's um they're back baby um it's been brought to my attention in giant form as well the giant what's it's which oh, have been doing the rounds recently um i would recommend if you like a big what's it but yeah, prawn cocktail. What's it's about, guys? What do we feel? How do we feel about this? There was uh, was there there was another flavor of what's it's that were like barbecuey. Oh, we sorry, yeah, but they, they were the ones that like always come to mind because they were like quite rare or they didn't. Yeah, they were like beef or barbecue or something yeah. like that. They're almost like the monster munch beef in what's it form. Mm. I, think. I, I, I have no love for prawn cocktail. If I'm being honest, really, oh, I love prawn cocktail. Always have, always will. Matt, <laughs> you try me as a prawn cocktail man. See, I do like prawn cocktail, Chris. I don't like what's it's though. So oh. this this is it. It's like 
I guess this is the decision of is it do I not like Watsits because of like the texture and the shape and the feel of yeah. them, or do I not like Watsits because of the cheesiness of them? Ooh. So mm. maybe buying a bag of the prawn cocktail ones will help me figure out what the dislike actually hey, is. I thought you, yeah, you are. I thought you are a cheese fan, though. I, I am a cheese fan. Them. I find yeah. that Watsits just tastes incredibly artificial cheese. Mm. Yeah, I, I understand that. I, I, I like. That. I have the same thing with Quavers. I'm not. Well, we've been through this. See, I prefer a Quaver over a, over a Watsit any day. Yeah, yeah. We've done this. You, you, you're infamous for enjoying a brie and grape sandwich, aren't you? What? <laughs> so, uh, it, it has been known. You know, controversially during uh, like what was it like a 2018 Twitter spat that yes, I do like a brie and grape sandwich. They don't you don't make them that much anymore. Haven't seen no. one in, in in Waitrose lately. I don't suspect there's a massive mm. demand to be honest. Probably not. No, yeah. I think they were very much a phase like when they were trying to like adapt new and trendy mm-hmm. sandwich flavors. Yeah. The how, how would the grape be? Sorry, we will get on to yeah. some games <laughs> like in a, a bit, but um, like, do they put whole grapes in there? Is it like a grape like jam? Sliced. Sli- sliced. 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 I'll have a sliced grape. <laughs> Best thing for sliced grapes. <laughs> no, it's like layers of brie and then you slice some grapes over it and then there was kind of like slice a chili chutney grapes. with it and some rocket. Chili chutney. Nice. Oh, Slicing up grapes seems like, I'm, I'm sure it's done on a machine, but it seems like a lot of work. Why would they not just pulp it Depends down and make it into a are. sauce? <laughs> and I'm imagining these are red grapes as well. Yes. Mm-hmm. Not white grapes, okay. Okay, that makes more sense. Um, okay, well, there we go. Um, that's enough of that. Should we talk about Horizon Forbidden West? Probably the biggest game of the year so far until, what, Elden Ring drops next week and people lose their minds again. Um, yeah, Horizon Forbidden West. I reviewed it for IGN.com. Gave it a 9 out of 10. I love this game. For me, it is an improvement in almost every single way over Horizon Zero Dawn, which is already a game I liked quite a bit. Um but yeah, I I know you guys are also have had or are having a fantastic time, but maybe aren't quite as hot on it as me, but still think it's a great game. I'm mm-hmm. I'm as hot as as you in terms of Ooh. the actual <laughs> <laughs> in terms of the actual game. Like, um, so when mm-hmm. I say that, I mean like the actual you know the way it plays, the world to explore, mm-hmm. everything, all the side missions, all that sort of stuff. Absolutely, the, the thing I'm not massive on is the story aspect of it, okay. and I think it boils down to my problems with the first game, which it just it, I just don't find the sci-fi sci-fi mumbo jumbo sort of over the top mm-hmm. nonsense that interesting. Really, like I'm. I love the situation and the world it creates, but I'm not interested mm-hmm. in the story that it tells. I, th- I think that's very fair. That was kind of the, that was kind of what gave points off of it for the original for me. I didn't think, I, I kind of liked the setting and I liked that they went all out on the sci-fi roots of it and did something different. But yeah, I don't think they told that story very well. It was a lot of audio log reading, a lot of holograms talking to you, not really like great, interesting cutscenes happening. Whereas this game, I think improves on the way it tells its story a lot but yeah it still may be that sticking point of Aloy as a character and the story like the sci-fi story they're trying to tell in the background if you're not into that then yeah maybe it's not that top tier game you're looking for but I still think I I had a great time but I do like that in this one they kind of and we're not going to spoil it in any way so don't worry they kind of go all out bonkers near the end I'm just like do you know what let's go for it (laughs) let's go um, but, I think yeah. it kind of like I probably align with Dale on the story and that like I really like the quote unquote modern day stuff that they do for, so Aloy's yeah. modern day ideas I love all of like the culture and the kind of like 
this kind of post-apocalypse world that they've created, I'm much less interested. Oh, my knowing um, how all of this came to be, but the story mm-hmm. is so linked to how it came to be. Yeah. I'd much rather yeah. it was telling the story of what is currently now, um, which is why I think that this game is so accomplished on its side stuff. Um, Cardi, yes. a big part of your review, and um, what I thought was the most interesting part of your review that really got me hyped for playing is that it's kind of Witcher-like in the way that it approaches mm-hmm. its side quests. And what it does is side quests become more like side stories, so it chains together multiple quests together to create a story. And I find those so much more engaging than I actually am. Like, I do quite like the bananas-ishness of yeah. kind of where the main story is going, but ultimately I'm more interested in, like, the troubles and situations that these tribes and clans are going through Absolutely. and the way that Aloy is the person that can come in and sort of help these people come to an understanding of where they are and aid people mm-hmm. with their troubles rather than the kind of chosen one story that's the main plot. Those are definitely the strengths, and that's yeah, exactly what I wrote in my review, that, yeah, the strengths of the story lie in, like, the... When you say, I'm not talking about politics, you know, it's not, I'm not talking, you know, there's not debates and meetings, but, you know, the politics of the world, like, mm-hmm. there's several different tribes warring for land and power in this, in the Forbidden West, and those are where the best story beats happen for me and like you said some of them kind of like halfway through the story you kind of do a whole section that's about that and i was loving that then it kind of goes back onto the sci-fi stuff but yeah yeah, all the side stories are to do with these different tribes and like the quirky like some of these quirky characters meet on the way it is very witch like in that way it's not you've not necessarily got the same level of choice and influence over way stories goes there are a couple of story missions where you do have an active choice of like oh do you want this person to like lead this tribe or this person and those are interesting but yeah it's much more telling you a story i'd say than you actively changing a story but they are good stories i also think you know on the witcher thing again it doesn't do it to quite the extent that the witcher does but each of its kind of tribes and each of its clans have like real kind of unique personality which i really like which Mm -hmm. makes it feel like you're with different groups so i'm not talking to maybe quite the extent that kind of like skelliger versus like novigrad in the witcher but kind of like there's one clan that's very much about like they're distinctly like post-apocalypse vegetarian vegans (laughs) that are very Mm -hmm. into like appreciating kind of like the land and the farming culture and stuff like that and then you've got uh you know another clan that's much more kind of like not warlike but kind of like built around the idea of honor and kind of like more traditional clan structure and i think that's really more noticeable than it was in horizon one where the clans all roughly felt the same but they got different names and different kind of visual kind of stance now Mm -hmm. there's a real distinct like they have unique cultures and those cultures indicate kind of what sort of missions you're going to be doing with them exactly they're the best bits i think and like you mentioned the visuals like the one thing i think anyone just like i've seen five seconds of this game can tell this is an absolutely stunning game like mm-hmm. up there with i put in my review like the best like one of if not the best i think only really red dead 2 comes close in times of a great looking world God of i War, think forza maybe, horizon well. forza horizon as well but that's a you know racing games look great not to take away from playground but you know it they just look great yeah god of war i'd say this this is a step up from god of war facial facial animation wise like this yeah. and the last of us are probably on a par but like just in terms of detail on a face like i've zoomed in on like aloy's face you can see like every pore yeah, of skin like insane. the eyes are ridiculous it's, like, it's the animation that goes with all of it. not only do you have like hmm. the most some of the most photorealistic kind of like faces i've ever seen but the way you can tell 
every emotion that's going through, even from just kind of like the way that people narrow their eyes. And I'm what my housemate's currently playing through the first game. And so I've been having like spending an hour Mm -hmm. with him, watching him do that, and then going back into my room to play Forbidden West. And like the difference between those 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 games and you know, Zero Dawn still looks pretty damn good these days. But seeing Mm -hmm. the uptick in tech and all of these characters look so close to being like movie grade animated yeah. characters i remember from the first one that the the talking head situations the dialogue situations are always feeling really stilted and like mm-hmm. bad, li- bad yeah. lip sync and really like really took me out of it every time and i would never experience just that a once. still really odd still camera that was, that was yeah. too tight on the frame just to go a bit filmy with it like they were framed poorly yeah. <laughs> like like this like, like, yeah, one nev- yeah never got that vibe this time around it always felt like yeah like top tier performance capture and animation mm-hmm. yeah like it, it's almost second to none in a, mm-hmm. in a way. Right. Exactly. Even and the writing characters get, get exactly, that as yeah. well. Like, there's only kind of like the the most minor side quests. Obviously, do have like canned animation and stuff like that. But like from middle tier upwards, everything seems to be so well put together. Mm-hmm. In terms of writing performance, like no one seems out of place. Like, yeah, it's just like I was saying, it's a step up pretty much in every way from from Zero Dawn, and that even goes, you know towards the combat which does feel at its core very similar to zero dawn's combat if you were if you weren't into the combat in that game i can't say that much will have changed in this one but frankly i don't see how you can't be into that combat because it's one of my favorite combat systems in any game just i'm a i'm a sucker for bow and arrows anyway but when you can just rip off parts of different machines and use them against them to me it's one of my favorite combat systems in any game series did you find um it might just be the way i play or what the weather weapons i gathered but found like mm. the trip caster was like um, way less significant in this one compared to the first one. I feel like you've just got different options. There, there yeah. are just more options. So yeah, I, I to be fair in the original, I never used the trip caster much okay. anyway. Um, like, like the new weapons this time around, like the explosives. If you can get a spike thrower, you yeah. can get one early. I'd recommend getting one of those because they are amazing. They're kind of these big javelins you can just chuck into the sides of enemies and after a like two-second delay, they explode and cause big damage. They're really fun. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a high-risk immediate. You have to get quite close to some of the enemies, which is where you'll get in trouble because the machines this time around... Like I remember the first game ramping up the difficulty quite a bit near the end. Yeah. Even from the get-go this time, every machine is like dead. Like They are so fast and relentless. The, the relentless part is... I find it borderline frustrating sometimes when I feel like I'm in a loop where I just can't get up or I can't get a shot off because it's just relentless. It's non-stop. It's non-stop. But it's a, but I guess the tactic there is, you know, you, you have to make some ground on them and then f- yeah. pick your opportunity. Well, I feel like also almost like I don't necessarily play it the way it's designed sometimes where I think you're encouraged at the start of a fight to be stealthy, pick off a couple of smaller enemies so you're not swamped. Yeah. And I just kind of can't resist going in all guns blazing because that's the that's how I like to play games. I don't yeah. enjoy stealth as much as just being it's, explosive. But especially because the manoeuvrability is like so much improved like with mm-hmm. them, so the new weapon... Um, good skid is there yeah that's a good skid uh, there's a so there's a the pool caster right which is like you're grappling hooks sort of situation yeah. uh, which is so easy to deploy in combat if the situation's right and it can be a case of you use a pool caster grapple hook boost off that then use your mm-hmm. shield wing to slow down take a shot 
land and then slide around like you can maneuver around and like when you're in the rhythm it feels yeah unbelievable and i feel Um, like that yeah the stealth part of it is not as fun as doing that so i'm always encouraged to go in all guns blazing mm -hmm. i've I've forgotten the name of the weapon what's the new weapon is it the shredder gauntlet i think it's called the one you can catch it it's like a discus thing yeah have you used that all much no so um i'll I'll get around to i've got some niggles with um not combat but with um, actual weapons um, okay. But I've not got that yet. Um, but I, I've heard because this is the one that you throw and it comes back to you. Is yes. it? Yes. Yeah. Well, you yeah. Can so catch you can. It if it comes you back. catch it. So the mo- if you catch it three times in a row, the third time you throw it sure. back, it explodes into them and causes huge damage. It, it and that like is fun it to use. Contributes to the thing that I love about the combat because so essentially what Horizon is at Grand is it's westernized monster hunter right yeah. that's that's what it mm. is it's it takes the kind of fundamentals of what monster hunter is fighting massive things that you grind down and have to target very specific parts of it and it adds a cinematic story to it and it adds a kind of sense of like story linked progression mm. and open world that monster hunter doesn't have so it's basically it's monster hunter design for me which is what 100%. i love about it and those fights and the first game does it so well but those fights feel like they're choreographed you're the person that's doing the choreography but there's such a cinema to the way mm-hmm. that those fights go down the way that you're like deploying kind of like your slow motion when you're drawing the bow getting those perfect kind of shots that overload a creature that cause kind of like a massive like eruption of electricity yeah. all of that mm-hmm. goes to create such a dynamic fluid combat system i absolutely love that side of it that's phenomenal yeah, yeah. i always, yeah, almost feel like that feels great um, like that, my, I'm not massive into the story because it always feels like that was a way to facilitate this core idea mm-hmm. of taking down mechanical dinosaurs and animals. You know, I mean, yeah. you need a way, don't you? But yeah, some are like we've talked about. We're not going to spoil. There's some machines I wouldn't want to spoil for people, and there's some that even Matt hasn't seen yet. So, um, <laughs> but like, has there been a particular new favorite, like, or one that you found tough? Like, I, I feel like the game kind of so right, like right in the in the tutorial in the first hour of the game right you play you you do have to fight one of the new sliver things which is mm-hmm. the new sort of like big snake like cobra enemies and it kind of tricks you in a way because that fight's quite easy yeah. then i came up ac- across a few later in the game and i was like these are by far the hardest enemies for me in the game like i can't get a grip yeah. on them and i think it is just the speed in which they move and the fact that like this game is all about picking off weak points they twist so much it's yeah. like you really have to use that slow-mo at the perfect time like for me like they're the ones that get me every time. Yeah. Anyone that you have to anticipate their movement and, um, you know, what's the term when you, when you fire past the point because you're planning to hit the point. Oh, yeah. overdraw? No, no. So not in the game, in life. You, like, you, oh, sorry. You kind just of plan ahead for where yeah. there, there is a name for Yeah, there is a name for that where you, yeah, you see where they're likely to be and you fire there because you know they're going to mm-hmm. move into place. I feel like with the really fast enemies like the Sliverfang, uh, Claw Striders, I think, um, yeah. Rollerback maybe is kind of like that as well. Um, mm-hmm. There is a lot of that going on, and it can be quite intense, but also really satisfying when you nail it as well. I like fighting a rollerback because whenever I fight, I'm, in my head, I'm just singing uh, "Ain't No Rollerback Girl" the Gwen Stefani song. Oh, really? I imagine that's what they they're <laughs> listening to when they're fighting. The, the music as well is incredible in this mm-hmm. game. Like the first one was already one of my favorite like game scores, but mm-hmm. this one just builds on it and like ugh, 
it's so good. The music when um, when you're in a big hard battle and it yeah. kicks in. It's almost like really almost powerful. like zimmer-esque at times yeah. like hmm. yeah big like <laughs> um but yeah i know you have a few little niggles matt do you want to bring those yeah. to the table so kind of like so i'm a, i'm at an eight with it rather than the nine and mm. um my so i think there's there's a lot in this game and i think to the point where i think it sometimes gets into the idea of we'll add in more but without necessarily questioning why they're adding in more so for example there's mm-hmm a lot more weapons and there's a lot more ammo types to consider this time round. And the way that sometimes I think leads to busybody work. So for example, for a lot for the I've played it for about 35 hours now. For about 28 of those I was using the starter bow mm. because Oh really? I I'm wanted I needed just something that used a normal arrow because normal yeah. arrows are the things that you can most easily mm-hmm. put together and you want just a good all-rounder and then you save like you use your other weapons and your other ammunition types to mm-hmm. to kind of pick off the kind of weak points and cause overloads and stuff like that and basically every time I was finding a new kind of hunting bow it was just like oh no this one only has like um, fire and and, and acid, acid arrows. And I was like, well, these yeah. aren't any use to me. And then I suddenly find that I'm overloaded with lots of cool different weapons, but they all feel very, very situational. I'm like, well, which ones do I want to have equipped? And on top of this, there's also a system where to upgrade all of these um, weapons, you kind of have to like stop playing the game and go and do some busybody work because quite frequently you'll get to a point in the weapon upgrade which is like, you now need to go out and get this very specific piece that won't be mm-hmm. necessarily dropped at 100% drop rate. So you've got to go out and hunt this specific type of animal, of this specific type of machine, and you might have to kill six of them before you find it. And I think kind of like a lot of games that involve kind of upgrading weapons, so for example, Dark Souls just comes off the top of my head, you'll find the equipment you need naturally as you're going through. Mm. And I found mm-hmm. with Horizon, I'm quite frequently, if I want to put stuff into my weapons, I have to stop and stop playing the quest for a bit and go off and hunt specific things which does lean into the hunter-gatherer kind of element of Horizon that I do like but I want to be able to do that while I'm doing the main quest and feeling like I'm making progression yeah it's interesting you've run into that problem because yeah I maybe I was just lucky or like the weapons I earned from quests or bought like I never was in that position I always luckily had the right thing I Mm -hmm. needed or I was just happy to not upgrade it in a way like but I know what you mean. Like, if you you kind of... That's when it turns into a Monster Hunter game, in a way, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. if you don't... Yeah, and if you're into the story, then maybe, yeah, that would be a distraction in a, mm. that you don't want. It's just that I want to be able to... The sheer amount of crafting that it kind of almost, like, forces you into. Because it's like, at the moment, like, everybody will know who's played the first game that tear blast arrows are vitally important parts of the combat system. Mm. But I can only carry two of them because... I have to upgrade kind of like my quiver to obviously carry yeah, more. Yeah. And they're not... I don't want to kind of like have to stop playing and doing the things that are important to me, which is pushing on the story, to go and find specific animals in the world that I need to skin. I feel like, you know, that's obviously a big part of the Far Cry games, but I feel that Far Cry's world, because it's so much less expansive than mm-hmm. um, Horizons, meant that you'd find those things while you were going about your time. yeah. yeah. I'm not finding because the benefit of the being a massive world feels like this place is really organic and really authentic and you are going to specific habitats which make that feel very real. But ultimately like I I 
personally don't have 80 hours to do all of this in mm-hmm. that linear fashion that it seems to want me sure. to do. So okay. I do. Yeah, um, I like I said, I, I go on down. I was going to say, I do find the, the looting aspect of it to be a bit exhausting. Yeah. Like, I feel like I'd be at a massive disadvantage if I didn't, after each battle, go around and loot every single machine. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of hoping like second half of the game that would get less and less i would have to do that less and i feel like it's still just as vital now especially the um like collecting for medicine as well i feel like yeah. i'm endlessly running out of that and always having to oh, every right. every time i'm running for field like shit of the game mate. <laughs> well every time i'm running for field i feel like i have to if i'd be stupid not to grab every single yeah. berry mm-hmm. i see and that kind of kind of feels a bit dull big to quality of life improvements over that from the first game like things automatically go to your stash and you'll yeah, hear aloy that say good. that yeah. every 10 seconds yeah, um, <laughs> a lot of people have noticed that aloy speaks to herself a lot it didn't personally bother me maybe i was just tuning it out but i've heard it is a valid complaint from a lot of people like god does she speak a lot mm-hmm. but you know there's one bit where she speaks character. and it almost it pretty much spoils something like, like really? not major but something like mechanic wise it's like a oh i can't do that right now maybe i can do it later <laughs> and i was like well no, now right. i know i'm gonna get something that means i can do that later um my, but, my yeah. other quibble since i'm on the quibble sort of thing and like i'll Go point on. out these are quibbles like yeah. ultimately it's a fantastic game um i think the i think the climbing is absolutely fucking garbage. oh yeah we haven't got onto that that is my major criticism i've um yeah i feel like people slightly misread my criticism uh, criticism of it is that i wanted breath of the wild climbing i don't want breath of the wild climbing because i don't think every game warrants that or needs it like breath of the wild climbing climb anything you know makes that game special because there could be anything anywhere this isn't the sort of game where you look up a cliff and like oh i wonder if there's something up there you're not going to find like if it's not an icon on the map rarely Mm. are you going to find something but um there are random events which are cool they're not like nowhere near the level of like arkham with man bat but things do happen every now and then but um yeah the climbing is not great like i feel like the sweet spot really was assassin's creed valhalla for me because that you know there was no stamina was there a stamina wheel no no you can climb whatever you want and basically it just made sense like if something looked scalable you could go and climb it and you know it there was a logic to it like and it didn't need handholds if it was a stone wall you'd find a way to climb it it may not be realistic but you'd find a way and that's what this game kind of needs because there are a lot of walls you can climb but they have specific handhold routes which just do seem a little bit archaic. And there's some walls I've run up to that are like three foot high. And like, you know, I feel like I could give them a good go, but Aloy just can't even like, (laughs) she can't really like mount herself up there, which is a slight frustration. In combat, I will say, if you're trying to get away, that's where it really comes to the fore if you're scrambling around. The main thing that you say there, Cody, is it's the word logic, which is what really, you know, annoys me about it, is that like you look at, you can look at like a cliff face and you can yeah. tap i'm constantly tapping the like the pulse button to yes. see what thing yeah. and the developer will have pan- penned in like a route up the cliff but you can walk 7 feet to the right of it and the cliff face looks exactly the same and you can't mm-hmm. climb that mm-hmm. and so you're constantly having to look for predefined routes through the world that have been coded for Aloy yeah. to climb and quite frequently like they're just not there and i'm like well could you please texture this wall that i can climb <laughs> differently and i know that's an age-old sort of thing but i'd rather the you know the tomb raider style big splashes of paint or you know the yellow traditionally uses i think it is a big improvement over the original still but yeah it's not it's nowhere near and i feel like you do they're caught in that place because they do have we haven't talked about the relic ruins yet we're just gonna say that like they're 
they're some of my favourite bits of the game. If you don't, they are their almost like small little puzzle rooms that like are Tomb Raider around the map, like Tomb yeah. Raider team, exactly mm-hmm. like that. And like that's where you do need the prescribed climbing because if you could climb anything, then they're not puzzles yeah. anymore. Mm-hmm. So like they're caught between these like they've got all these great ideas, they just haven't been able to really fit climbing like how it should work in there. And I'm sure like there's going to be another one of these games. Like yeah, and hopefully that'll be the one it's kind of where i leave it with my review ultimately like this is another great step forward for gorilla mm-hmm. they've created a great game i can't wait to see what they do next because maybe next time is where they really nail it like i i love this game this is one of the best games i've played in recent years for me i think it's fantastic but it is just frustratingly close to being something of like it takes these things from red dead from the witcher from the last of us from god of war but it never quite reaches the yeah. heights of any of those and they're, they're, they're getting there though I think that as well like I don't know like Cardi I know me and you like adored that first game when it came out and I know yeah. for me and you it was it, it was kind of more personal likeage over Breath of the Wild and yeah. I think my love for that first one I came in with such a high bar for it and it's mm-hmm. kind of like it is as you say frustratingly close to being perfect and it's like oh I just I just wish that you kind of had like the real perfect clarity of vision to have nailed mm-hmm. it this time, but you yeah. haven't quite got there. I say, for me, a lot of things that are in there that feel like they've just been put in because that's what other games have. Like other games have big, extensive RPG tree- trees. Yeah. Other games have kind of like lots of things to collect and stuff like that. There would just been like the clarity that like the God of War team has. Then I mm-hmm. think this this yeah. probably would have been a ten for me. A, a weird mm-hmm. example of that is the dialogue options, like. It's like such a sort of minimal effort on dialogue option, mm-hmm. options. Then, then why bother? You know, like some of them, like no, there's only like literally like two or three in the game that have any consequence whatsoever. So it almost feels like they don't even need to be there because yeah, I feel like they, the first game steps. had way more of that stuff. I remember yeah, they, they do take in steps. The, in the first game, I remember them being more of the kind of like the heart, the the, the head, and the violence kind yeah, of yeah. thing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I don't think, like we're saying, you're not really, this isn't a story you're necessarily going to influence. Mm-hmm. You will feel like you're influencing it as you play it, not through your choices, yeah. but as a lawyer. But, but yeah, it's a, it's a story that's being told to you. And yeah, I know what you mean, Dale. Like they, they give you a couple of dialogue options, yeah. a couple of which do make a slight difference. But yeah, it's like early on, you think that's going to be a big thing because they introduce one to you straight away. And yeah. you're like, oh, it's not. I kind of just. It's not an RP. It's not a full on RPG. I kind of just want it one way or the other. You know, like go full yeah. into that. That's fine. Or just don't bother and just tell the story you want to tell. And it's that's also fine. Fair, fair enough. But it's yeah. just like they dip their toe in the water. In it, or they maybe felt like because they did it more in the first game, they had to have some element of it, but mm-hmm. didn't really want to do it. It, it, yeah. it felt odd. I'm just wearing it, yeah. We're, it may sound like we're nitpicking a lot here, but believe me, this is a fantastic oh, no, game. If you're, if you're, It comes out today on PS4 and PS5. From what I've seen, it runs okay on PS4. It's it not. It's by no really means a cyberpunk situation. It, and it from what i've heard it runs fairly well like you're not going to get many drop frames so if if you are playing on ps4 and you do please don't blame me uh it's not my fault but if you're playing this on ps5 do play it in performance mode i'd say because yes. playing this game in 60 frames is the way to play it for me and you're not going to lose much uh well visual quality at all from that so yeah this is a fantastic game and i'm sure later in the year I don't know if it's going to be a game of the year contender, but it's one we'll be talking about more, I'm sure, for certain elements of it. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt, hello. you've been playing another one of the biggest games of the year, almost a surprise kind of breakout game that I feel like I've been hearing a lot about despite not playing a second of it, and that is Lost Ark. Mm-hmm. 
I uh, I thought I'd better give this a go, considering it seems to be the biggest game in the world right now. Like, absurd numbers on Steam. You can mm-hmm. barely get into the game because the queues are so long, you're having to sit around for 20 minutes to get in. Um, it seems to have calmed down a little bit, and I know, I think it's today, they've opened new servers in Europe. So if you're looking to get in, you can. This is a PC-only uh, action RPG in the vein of Diablo, but um, kind of made sort of MMO-ish. Um, made by Smilegate, which are a fairly prolific, I think, Korean company that probably most famous for Crossfire. They just released Ooh. Crossfire X on uh, on <laughs> Xbox. That is a piece of shit. I can tell you that. Don't waste I, I've your not had time to play like it. I did. Yeah, um, it's, it's not getting good reviews. That one, <laughs> but. Um, this Lost Ark has been out in Korea and some other markets since 2019, and this is Amazon translating it and bringing it into the West. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently, must have done incredibly well in Korea and, and kind of Russia to build this sort of hype because it is one of the most intensely kind of like initially subscribed games I've seen for a long time. And it's probably because it's actually quite good. Um, oh, there you go. That'll be a reason, <laughs> wouldn't it? <laughs> so. It is very much in the vein of Diablo. It is an isometric kind of top-down action-based kind of like uh, fantasy game. Um, you you get given a lot of abilities from the very start of the game, and it is incredibly fast and kind of like choreographed as if it's a bunch of like real big like anime and Matrix and like kung fu fans. So everything mm-hmm. is very, very flash, very, very stylish. Um, the first character I played as is kind of an assassin who has three swords, and it's it's exactly three. what you'd expect. How are they holding three swords? So you swap between them. Like, you're, you're oh, using okay. two. Oh, okay, the whole What are they holding a third with? No, no. <laughs> sword um, juggler. <laughs> well, sword juggling is pretty much what it's like. It's like you're yeah. kicking people in the air and then, like, doing the when they twirl the sword so fast that all you can see is like a helicopter yeah, blur. Yeah. And get one in your mouth. Like, yeah, I that. mean, she probably <laughs> does at some point. Like, it's, <laughs> there are so many skills to unlock and you can upgrade all those skills. There's a big kind of like up to, I think you cap out at like level 60 or something like that and there's lots of skills to learn on the way. Yeah. But it's very much a game about fighting hordes of enemies and like doing big sword swipes that turn them all into mush like all of their gore spraying everywhere and stuff like that so i played a little bit as her so weirdly the characters are gender locked so assassins are always women for some reason um but i've also played as the gunslinger i think it's called which you can play as a woman or a man but they're genuine they're two separate classes for some reason it's quite odd okay but the gunslinger (laughs) is very kind of matrixy like he's got two pistols and you can do kind of like it almost looks like you're in the lobby where you're firing like submachine okay. guns round and chucking grenades up in the air. And I could do so something. I'm just where, trying like, to get a grasp on like for someone who hasn't seen this game. Mm-hmm. Like, what are we talking? Like, is this like a fantasy setting or a modern day well, setting? What are we the, seeing? This is the <laughs> odd thing. Like, it is. I have not seen a game launch with this much kind of content for mm. a long time. And I suppose it's because it's been out in Korea for so long, but. You start as so many Korean MMOs do in like the worst way possible, which is you start <laughs> in like a bland fantasy world, which is just meadows with like chickens in it and bandits. Mm. But you very quickly like move from there into like a plague-ridden place full of zombies. But there are thirteen continents in the game, and you eventually kind of get a ship that you sail to different worlds. And when I say they're different worlds, like they are legitimately 
different worlds. Like, one of them just looks like Midgar from Final Fantasy VII. Like, it's big kind of cyberpunk sort of mesh with steampunk aesthetic. One of them is, like, proper fairy tale. One of them's, like, pirates. Like, okay. it is completely different from zone to zone. Sounds it like is a Disney there, world. Yeah, yeah, it is like going around a theme park. <laughs> is there a story here? So there is a story. It is... <laughs> I've lost their arc. Come on. Yeah. Follow <laughs> hey. No. Uh. Straight up the story. Don't play this for the story. It's straight up garbage. It is the most cliched kind of badly written, oh my God, there's a MacGuffin called the Lost Ark and we need to go out and find it. And mm-hmm. you quite frequently, like on the like side quests that are in the area, talking to people that are like, oh, I lost my grain. Can you go and find, you know, my bags of rice? Or you go and find <laughs> the bags of rice or... There's the seven eggs I need you to go and smash yeah. for me or whatever. You're like, not selling it to me, Matt. I'm going to be honest. Well, so this is the thing. Like, if you're if you're playing it from a story based perspective, it's shit. Yeah. But <laughs> like, it has some of the best action combat that I've played right. for a long time. So okay. I was saying to Cardi earlier, like, it's either a, so you can play the entire thing in co-op, or it's a podcast game, like. You know, kind of like you're not playing FIFA for any like story like thing, right? But you enjoy whoa, the gameplay. Whoa, whoa. You've never played the journey, mate. I've whoa. seen the journey. It looks dreadful. <laughs> you telling me? You know that? So I remember when I I'm going to go on a tangent here about the journey. I reviewed. <laughs> I think I reviewed all the Fifas when the journey was um, part of it, and I distinctly remember thinking, "God, Alex Hunter's mum is a terrible actress. She's the actress. She's in June." now and she's good in it i'm like what happened here how did she go from the journey to june what's going on i mean that maybe that she had a bad director maybe she did because she's perfectly she's perfectly good in june so yeah yeah. anyway in in terms of kind of like narrative compared to something like diablo has a really really good kind of like you know gothic fantasy kind of storyline that pulls you through it this doesn't this is very much about you play it because you like the gameplay you enjoy going into the dungeons and as such like i don't know like I certainly wouldn't play it on my own. Like, I play it with my partner or kind of like I would put a podcast on and just kind of like listen to that while I was just smashing up a few things. It's very, very satisfying to play and it's very satisfying to kind of like have your character progress. Like, mm-hmm. my gunslinger can swap between three different guns. I can swap between like pistols, a rifle, and a shotgun. And yeah. being able to create combos between that is very, very satisfying. I mean, that's the same as Diablo for me. Like, I, I played quite a bit of Diablo 3. I couldn't tell you a single thing about that story. Sure. For me, it's mm-hmm. just going in there and mashing things up. And don't get me wrong, Diablo is a much, by the sounds of it, a much better developed world and a better story of better characters. But yeah. it's still about just going in there and using mad abilities like giant beams and melting <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and, and building up your character. But as I say, yeah. sort of like, at least Diablo has like genuine side characters and a narrative yeah. that can pull you through. This has that, but they are not written to anywhere near the level. <laughs> there's, there's not the cohesion in the world design, but that's also kind of like part of the thing I like about it is that it's just bananas like I haven't done this quest but I've been, I was reading a piece the other day about there's just a bit where you fight like a bunch of evil clowns that sounds quite fun like <laughs> yeah. I don't care that there's no good story reason for doing it like if I get that to that point that would be cool how long oh, I will yeah. stick with this I don't know because story yeah. generally does plow me through the games and yeah. I think when you get to a point where you've seen everything that the gameplay can offer and you feel like you've had your fill 
like i'm probably gonna you know elden rings out mm-hmm. in a week like yeah. this, this doesn't have yeah. a chance does it is but it, it's I free think to it, play isn't it yeah it's free to play you can play it cooperatively um like all of the dun- there are some areas that you have to do on your own which are kind of like key story points <clears throat> which annoyed me a little bit at the start of the game because there's quite a few of those but i think that's just to get this essentially a story about finding a bunch of MacGuffins over and done with but then mm. when you get to like the actual dungeons where you get like like if you want to take a look at our review video there's just the bit that shows you like a helm's deep style battle where there's just literally like hundreds of enemies running at a fortress and you get to basically blow them all up turn into a muso game at at times well like i mean diablo does this right where it like diablo's kind of big kind of kick around thing is that you get to fight hundreds and hundreds of enemies at any one time and that's Mm. where the power fantasy of it comes and from that the fact that it does that and it feels speedier and slicker and like more cinematic than diablo does that's kind of where that's why people are coming in their thousands to play this game like none of the other reasons if if you are playing it for the story, why not write in and tell us why you think that's good? I think you're mad, but... Wow, don't write in then. Matt's going to laugh at you. I should say, yeah, IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com for any feedback. If you're you're probably a week into Horizon by the time uh, you want to write in, let us know what you think. Yeah. And uh, yeah, if you're playing Lost Ark, let us know about all those eggs you can smash. Um <laughs> Briefly, I'm going to talk about Sifu, which came out last so last week or two weeks ago now. I can't remember when Sifu came out. I think it was two um, weeks, actually. Yeah, yeah. I, I, just because none of us had really Every time it, you I, say I, it, I think you're saying seafood, by the way. Seafood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not talking about prawns, man. I'm talking about Sifu, yeah. which is a game. Uh, I don't know, I'd lost track completely uh, where my mum was going. It's a game. Um, if you missed it, it's a... Is it? It's not PlayStation exclusive. Can you play it on uh, Is it PlayStation exclusive? it is exclusive? PlayStation exclusive. I've been yeah. so deep in Horizon, I've kind yeah. of, for the last two weeks, forgotten what other games have been coming out. But um, and that's why I've only had time to play an hour of Sifu, which I can tell already is a very good game, but I'm yet to decide if it's for me or not. It's on PC so, as well, it looks like. Mm -hmm. If you don't know what Sifu is, it is a roguelike martial arts game with some of the best hand-to-hand combat and specifically animations I've seen in a game. And it feels great to play. And that's... And I've already mentioned it. The roguelike element is the frustrating bit for me so far. Is that, And to some people, this will be music to their ears. Mm. And to some people, it'll put them off. It has, like, returnal vibes to me, which initially... I love that game, but I got a few hours into it. And I was like, oh, I'm not sure if I can deal with this anymore. It's like, it has that difficulty level where I'm put off it a little bit. But I will say with Sifu, I'm much more determined and crucially enjoying it a lot more. And it feels like a game you can learn and is not unfair in any way. And it's all to do with, you've really got to get the dodging and the parrying down, which, you know, a lot of people say, oh, that's what you've got to learn with Souls games and Sekiro. And I feel like... Sekiro meets Arkham is probably what you're if you can imagine that sort of combat so you've got kind of you're often going to be surrounded by like three enemies and you've got to watch for when they're attacking you it's kind of the Arkham way of like when you see someone's about to attack you press L1 to do a parry and that'll knock them away and it won't build up your stagger bar so every enemy and you has a stagger bar similar to Sekiro that you want to build up and once that stagger bar is built up their their stature will break basically Mm -hmm. And that means that you can then do bigger damage. And it's all about that balance of building up their 
stagger bar and keeping yours as small as possible. And it has that Sekiro thing of if you step away from combat and don't press any buttons, your bar will go down quickly. So it's very much... They've looked at Sekiro, which by all accounts is one of the greatest combat systems in the game, and gone, do you know what? Let's take some of that. Mm. Um, It's, like I said, it's ridiculously stylish. If you're into like the sort of cinema it's based on, I think you'll have a great time. There is the controversy of no one on this team being of Asian origin and making what what is quite clearly a love letter to this sort of cinema. But, you know, they haven't had any input from outside to, like, get it right. And, you know, just as an ignorant person, I'm I'm playing this game. They've kind of nailed this feel. It feels right. But, you know, there's probably lots of little details where people are like, you know, you could have had some help here and like, you didn't ask for it. Not that I probably don't want to go down this road, but but is it a case of they not got consultants in, even if they had no one on staff? I think that's the thing. Like, yeah, no one on the team is, and at no point, I mean, I haven't read too much about yeah. it, at no point have they, yeah, if they looked for consultancy and being like, let's make sure we get this all appropriate okay. and right. From what, like, what I've said so far, and I'm not, I'm not necessarily in the position of someone who would be offended by mm-hmm. this, but like, nothing I've seen so far in my hour of playing, if I've been like, oh, that's not on. But, you know, yeah. that it's more the principle of it than the, the execution, necessarily. But, yeah, it's a, at a core, I can tell this is a fantastic combat game. I just need to put more time into it. I've only played now. I just thought, it's been a while since it came out. We should probably mention it because yeah. people will probably want to try this game. I say it's only £35. It's £35, which is cheaper than most PS5 games. I was so, going to ask a question, but the fact that you've only played now probably yeah. negates that. But when have you do you feel like you got to the point now where it's gotten really hard i mean i've died like i failed a run so yeah i I hit a wall like in the second in the second level i was like i got to the end i was like okay i'm hit i'm dying a lot here and it does have that cool unique dying system of when you die you come straight back but older yeah so like the more times so like the first time you die in a fight you'll you'll age a year so say you're 30 you'll age to 31 then if you die in that same fight again, you'll age two years, so you'll go up to 33. If you die in that same fight again, you'll go up three years to 36, and that'll exponentially grow until you beat that fight, and then that counter will go down by one. So it has a cool... How old can you get? So I got to 70, and then when I lost that fight, I died, I think. Okay. So, but the thing is... The older you get, the smaller your health bar gets, but the more damage you do. Right, so you have experience. more experience. So you're yeah. better at combat, but you have a smaller health bar. So I had like half the health bar I had when I started. So I was dying very quickly. And I just let, you cannot, and I was, it was my first run. So I was trying to like, I'm still getting to grips with the game. And what I quickly learned is you cannot just like, what's the word I'm thinking for? Like force, like brute force this game. Yeah. You have to learn it. Like I was just trying to do the, the Batman Arkham thing or sometimes you do, which is just keep tapping L1 or like try whatever. Is it triangle to counter? I can't remember. To like keep counting, like counter, counter, counter. And so you won't get hit. That won't work in this game. You will get hit. So it's all about timing. Like I said, it's got that Sekiro thing. I think Matt, you will, because I think you will enjoy this game. But I know you also do have qualms with Returnal, if I'm right. Yeah, but so I play. I didn't actually get around to playing Returnal until the start of this year because there was like a little gap. Mm-hmm. And I really loved like the Alien Prometheus vibes of kind of yeah. like Returnal. But um, there's so much of it and you have to do so much of it before you get any like respite and get into yeah. that boss that I just found like I was banging my head up against the wall. Like I've... I've 
got to the first boss several times and never finished it. And part of that is just because the sheer journey you have to go on to collect all mm-hmm. like the right equipment and the right weapons and stuff like that meant that I got the right guns, but I was so battered by the time <laughs> I got to the boss yeah. that there was, and also exhausted basically yeah. from playing for like two hours. And- I will say, like, at least in a roguelike like that, you are getting, like, it randomizes each time, so you're getting the rad minutes. Whereas Sifu has the problem, and this is going to be a weird comparison that the game, like, 12 minutes had for me, which was a roguelike where nothing is random. Like, the same thing will happen every time. You're just repeating the same things. It's going to be the same rooms with the same people, and each time you go through Sifu, like, you can deal with it differently and you'll get better at it. But it is going to, like, I can imagine myself in a couple of hours once I keep getting game overs being like mm-hmm. i don't want to have to do that room for yeah. people again yeah. and See, again and part again. of this is like that's a little bit like souls because you know kind of like you know yeah. I, I obviously love the souls games but i am not i'm not like you know mitchell who reviews them for us i'm not a master of it i'm not like tam you know when tam comes on as a guest yeah. he can talk about how incredible he is at that combat that's not me um, but at least with Souls, like once you've got past that room and you get to the next bonfire, you never have to see it again. Yes, I might yeah. have had to have gone through it seven times to learn where everything is and learn how to take those enemies out. But once you're done with it, you're done with it and you're not going to go back. Whereas with the roguelike structure of it, you're going to mm-hmm. see that room over and over again. Yes, great for learning, but how many times can you do it before you're yeah. sick to death of it? Mm. But yeah, I don't want to be too down there because it is obviously very good. I'm just It's one of those rounds... I keep going. I keep trying these games, and eventually I'll learn. I'll do it with Elden Ring next week, and who knows? That might be the one that clicks. But like these, like sort of tough games where you have to repeat. It's like I'm not into it, and I really should learn. Yeah. But do you know what? I'm in Sifu just because, like I said, I like that sort of cinema, and it's got a lot of those vibes to it. So yeah, there we go. That's Sifu. I probably annoyed a lot of people because a lot of people love this game. So I'm sorry if you're enjoying that game, but I don't think it's for me. Briefly, Cyberpunk is back. Finally, yeah. you can play Cyberpunk and it runs well on a on a new gen console. And we're almost at the point where this is probably when the game should have been released in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> because I um briefly just gonna, I played like an hour of it the other night just to see what it's like. I started the game again. Um, I've now I'm playing as female V, and I've, I'm just playing as this really basically violent corpo V with red hair and piercings and tattoos. I'm, it's going to be an all-out dickhead this nice. time, basically. Um, and it means I can romance Judy this time, but I will be sad because Pan Am will always be in my heart. But, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if I'm going to do a full playthrough right now, but I did find myself getting back into it very quickly, and there is something about that world which I love being in. It's by no means a perfect game, but that world to be in is fantastic and it did look i mean it's hard to compare i haven't played it in over a year like my instant instant impressions on playing it on ps5 were like okay this looks more like it doesn't quite look how it looks on pc i don't think but in my head this is how it should have looked when it came out like streets do look busier people are acting in like just look like robots walking around Mm -hmm. it just like playing with hdr makes a difference like it just i don't know it feels like if you've been waiting all this time to play Cyberpunk, which again is probably like an eight out of ten for me, is is a good game yeah. that has a lot of great things but doesn't quite come together. And I think it's half price at the moment on the PSN store and maybe on Xbox as well. Like if you've been waiting, I'd say now I could safely say is the time to give it a go because it works. <laughs> I mean, I like I I really like that game and I had a great time yeah. with it. And like 
obviously there was a lot of technical issues a lot of them i enjoy <laughs> but um, but now i'm gonna but I, what i didn't enjoy was the constant hard crashes obviously and now hopefully oh, no, no. there's not that anymore so if you haven't checked mm-hmm. it out now is like a perfect time to give i mean it yeah a go. i will say like and for a lot of games this isn't a big deal i played for an hour an hour and a half i didn't have a single bug or glitch or crash yeah. and for that game and the menus <laughs> ran smoothly like there was no like lag on them like to me it was like okay we've finally made it to the place that it should have been when it released mm. i think i'm and gonna yeah, replay I'm, it all like especially because i booted it up my old save just to see if the all the trophies ding through and they actually didn't yeah. so i was like well, that that's kind of mm. good in a way because it means like like if i want to play it again like the, the, i'm chasing a reward as well Plus, it's <laughs> only like a 15 hour story it's a surprisingly short if you just want to do the main story yeah yeah it's very short and just yeah. try things so, a little bit differently like you said like trying to female the mm-hmm. instead and and choosing exactly. i know the the starting path doesn't really affect much in the grand scheme of things but so yeah i did it so the first time i did it i did nomad which i thought was great i did corpo this time nomads is so much better Cor- okay so Corpo's i was corpo and just okay so i'm gonna nomad. so should i try nomad? maybe street I, I don't know what the street kid one's like but mm. uh, i know nomad was great and corpo was just boring <laughs> to me street so, kid is is fine that's what i played i would okay. say though that i um can't remember if I brought this up when when we first like did this because that's going back a long time now, but um, I think that the story is way better suited to to a female V. Okay. I think like okay. a lot of the stuff that you do just feels more authentic and sort of like realistic when it's delivered from from a female mm-hmm. perspective. Um, I, and I you, had that with Nomad as well. I yeah. thought like the story just so suits being a Nomad, okay. particularly like not to spoil. I won't spoil it for anything, but the end feels better suited to a Nomad yeah. character. There's something that works about. I guess if you do that way, that because obviously it branches towards the end of the game. But I think the one mm-hmm. that most people would take feels more authentic when it comes from a Nomad perspective. So- Okay. Cyberpunk gets a thumbs up from us. Try it now if you haven't, and go with. I think our recommendation there is a female nomad. That would be, I would say, the the top tier pick. I'm doing me. it. There we go. There we go. Um, let's briefly talk about some TV very quickly because I know Dale, you really, really wanted to talk about Love Is Blind season two on Netflix. I made a joke about talking about it. I don't know, and then all Look, of a sudden it's on the you running can't order. Make a joke about, well, you know, you can't bring up that you've been watching Love is Blind and not tell well, us why it's your favourite show on TV right now. <laughs> um, let's put it this way. It's trashy as all hell. It's, it's, it's a mm-hmm. reality show, and kind of the title gives it away. It's exactly what you expect. And my wife started watching it in the first season, and I oh, walked. There we in, go. Hang, well, I mean, wife. it's true. And I walked in the room, and I was like, "What is this trashy shit you're watching?" And I sat down, and then all of a sudden, we'd finish the series together. <laughs> and what, I was what like, is the, "What is the concept of Love Is Blind?" So now, the concept is not- they get like twenty people, well, so like twenty males, twenty females, and they do it like almost like speed dating, but in rooms where they can't see each other and they can only talk to each other. And the goal okay. is, well, the option is. That if you really bond with someone, you can propose to them before seeing them. That's at the mad. End. Well, well, you propose <laughs> to them. How long have they been talking to each other before they? Uh, so I, that's something I'm not sure because obviously the editing implies that it's like very quick little experiences and they're in and out. Yeah. But there could be weeks of chatting. I'm not sure. It's really. not weeks, is it? It's all arranged. Who anyway. knows? It's a TV show. Well, yeah. <laughs> but all right, I'm buying into the narrative, okay? And uh, <laughs> then the idea is that then they see, then they get to meet each other, then they go on a honeymoon. Well, not a honeymoon, but like a holiday away. And then okay. there's like four weeks until their wedding. And then obviously during that four weeks, there's a lot of drama. Some people make it, some they people They decide don't. whether they hate each other or not. But I, I feel like the show, I'm not sure if it's part of their rules or whatever, but it feels like they're only allowed to make a final decision at the altar. 
because in the end of the first season, that definitely happens with all of our like whether they say yes, I'm actually going to marry you or no, I'm not doing why, this. Why would you put yourself? I know you, you know, you're on TV, you get paid. Why would you put yourself through that? Because like, I mean, the whole I'm guessing what the whole concept is. Does does you know? Hang on, you told me you watched all. it as well, so you know the concept. I, I saw a bit of the first season. <laughs> That's strange. This morning, like I binged the first season. You said. I did not say I binged it because I definitely didn't. I remember watching like one or two episodes and going, what is this? Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I'm guessing like the whole point they're trying to prove is like, oh, looks don't matter. Yeah. And like, that works for the first bit. But then, yeah, when they spend four weeks together and they slowly go, oh, God, no, not you. It's, <laughs> usually, it's usually when they, they get thrown into living with each other for a few weeks is when like, all the cracks <laughs> start to quickly appear. I mean, it's just a mad concept. That, well, like, like, love it for, like, what? <laughs> yeah, you're going to marry someone you've spoken to in a booth for 20 minutes. Well, the, it's like being on like a call centre asking someone, oh, can I, get my, can I get a new phone contract? And then 20 minutes in going, do you know what? Do you want yeah. to marry me? <laughs> the in- the <laughs> like- interesting part about it is that um, they, a lot of them solicit like multiple partners. Like a lot of them will have like, well, I've got two that I like the most. I'm going to propose to <laughs> one of them. And like, and then it's like, there's always bad. this debate about which one am I going to choose? And then, but the problem is when they leave these booths, they go and talk to the rest of the group. And they'd be like, this person says he's going to propose to me. And someone else thinking, well, he said the same thing to me. Oh, it's, my God. What? It's so trashy. No, I'm going to have to check it, it out. It looks, it sounds it It's sounds so trashy. Special. But the, what they do really well from like an editing standpoint is they do great cliffhangers where you're like, fuck, I do just kind of want to see what happens next here. Mm-hmm. And I was like. It, I did see the, on, I was going through Netflix, Netflix uh, yeah, that's Love is Blind Japan, which <laughs> could be quite fun as well. Maybe this weekend I'm going to go through the whole Love is Blind catalogue. It, it's probably not. I've watched a lot of um, like heavy shows recently. I finished Yellow Jackets. I finished Ozark. It's fine. You're allowed it. It's nice to just go to something trashy every now and again. I know. Change your pace. Yeah. There we go. Um, so I just want to shout on Netflix. There's the new three part Kanye West documentary. The first part dropped this week. Uh, I'm not a huge Kanye West fan. I like one or two albums, a few songs here and there. Him as a person is a completely different matter. I'm, I'm still not sure what the hell is going on with him. <laughs> um, but. That's why I was so intrigued by this documentary. I know, Dale, you're also a sucker for a music documentary oh, yeah. as Love, well. I'll watch um, any music biopic. This is a three-part documentary, the first one this week. The next two over the next two weeks, they're one and a half hours each, so four and a half hours you're getting. You're not, And you're not getting quite like the Beatles get back, but what you are getting is... 20 years of Kanye West filmed by one of his closest friends and he's the one who narrates the documentary so the whole first episode is basically him as a kid basically trying to get a record deal and it's that whole first journey and from this first episode I'm like you know what this is a really almost like sweet kind kid who's obviously ridiculously talented yeah and I really like you've really feel him as a human this one in his relationship with his mum and then obviously they tease the next two is like how is this all going off the rails obviously yeah, yeah. he's going to hit mega stardom like what is going on like running for president being just doing some some of the more insane and you know not on stuff yeah. um, and I'm intrigued to see where it goes next whether they pull the punches or whether they actually get into it so I would say if you're into any sort of music bar pick like give it a go because is it's he, interesting is it i assume he's an executive producer of it i don't know if he is i would assume he is because that like, always like mate. it's like the uh, the last dance with michael jordan and stuff i always like yeah but how much of a say did you have and how this story is told like is it is it the truth at this point like how is it going to be angled towards him who knows yeah it's produced by him yeah. so i assume they're not going to go deep into the 
you know some of the stuff but you know you've got you've got to address some of it otherwise what's the point he was but, wasn't um, he um he was like a really successful producer for a long time before he became that's an artist, how he started right? so he produced yeah. one of jay-z's albums um he did h to the Izzo and yeah. stuff like that um I'm, I'm now sounding like I'm some sort of Kanye West but I watch an hour and a half documentary and I'm listening off songs and albums by Jay-Z <laughs> that's all I'm doing but yeah I check it out even if you're not a big fan man I feel like this first episode at least does a great job of humanising him and yeah. maybe that's the point of this documentary you know <laughs> being suckered in but I at the same time for me like what I'd want to see from this is like candid moments with him because all yeah. we ever really see from him and it's I kind of love it sometimes like I, mm-hmm. I do love his character being aware that it's absolutely ridiculous he's an idiot nonsense character like he makes mm-hmm. a fool of himself all the time but like i'd like to you see him get, like just you do get those great kind of moments yeah. like there's some great scenes like the scenes with his mums are the best where like he just goes to his mum's house and his mum's like what happens to that song and she just wraps a whole one of his verses in front of him. It's like you should do that one <laughs> it's like, it was like, and like yeah just him going into like rockefeller records playing one of like playing i think he plays jesus walks or yeah. something or one of i think it's jesus walks at that point and people are just sitting there like not really taking notice it's like oh yeah that'll be a huge song in a couple of years time <laughs> it's like it's mad yeah there's just I, I like that sort of thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, even if you're not a Kenny US fan, I'd give it a go. Um, right now, though, let's play the endless search. Inside, it's a UK IGN crew. Yeah, 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 and ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you. Inside, I got a question for you. What type the DJ we coming through? Yeah, yeah, and ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you. Inside, I got a question for you. Is it in the search? Dale, did you bring us an I endless I did. Search? Well, I scoured the feedback and I found one from CJ in Nebraska, who, who's, you know, a regular contributor. A regular. But he, he's, he's written, a, written a little message beforehand, so let me read that out. He says, hey all, here's my attempt at an endless search game. I've been listening to the show for years and I feel like a freeloader having never submitted a game. <laughs> so I thought I would try. It's following the same formula as the last few weeks, where the goal is to identify whether the title is actually a real game that appears under the category of RPG on the PlayStation Store, or a title that I made up. I'll be honest, Mm. this is probably going to be kind of shit, but here goes anyway. I'm sorry it's not in a nice format. I'm a pretty basic bastard when it comes to computer things. (laughs) CJ is absolutely fine. You put a list and you put in brackets next to each one whether it's real or fake. That's all we need to know. I I like this because there's there's some mad names. It'd be like the five rings of the fire army and that could be an RPG for all I know. Just skimming through these. I'm like looking at some of these words and I'm like, oh. (laughs) I will say like, me and Matt don't go head to head often on these, but I feel like Matt, you're maybe more tuned into the RPG RPG genre than I am. But who knows? There's probably some absolute detritus in there that no one's heard of. Oh yeah. Well, the made up ones specifically. No one's heard of that. Oh yeah. Well, probably. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Let's, there's let's actually there's 25 of them, but let's see let's see how we get on. Okay. All right. So third one, first one. Sorry, Sword <laughs> of Ellipsia. I mean, who's going first? Do we take turns? Uh, Matt, you go first. Uh, I'm gonna say false. Okay. I think that's a real one. Cardi is real. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> don't know anything about it. This uh, is going to be a 50-50 guess. I mean, I like skimming through these, it's like I don't recognise any of these names, even though some of, a lot of them are real. <laughs> so <laughs> let's see how we get on. It's not like Final Fantasy VI, for example. <laughs> <laughs> okay, number two. Blacksmith of the Sand Kingdom. Cardi. That was me saying your name. It wasn't on the title. It's not called Blacksmith of the Sand Kingdom, Cardi. <laughs> I'm going to say 
false. Okay. I will also go false. It is real. Apparently. What? Who's naming their games? Blacksmith. I'm sorry if you're the developer of any of these games. And you just <laughs> Hold on, I'm looking. Blacksmith. blacksmith of the, who wants to play as a blacksmith? It is real. <laughs> oh my <laughs> Jesus Lord, it looks dreadful. <laughs> uh, okay, number uh, three. Midnight. Done already. Rise of the Shadowed Moon. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that. anymore. <laughs> uh, like, uh, real? It's real? Cardi? Ah, uh, it's false. It is false, Cardi. Yeah. You get the point. <laughs> Come on, Matt. Number four. <laughs> Astria Ascending. I've, Cardi. I'm going to go through. I feel like I've heard. Of, I'm going to go real. Matt, what are you saying? Real, yeah. You're both correct. It is real, yes. I feel like I've heard or seen that somewhere. Okay. Number five, Ravensword, Shadowlands. Matt. <laughs> real? Oh, I feel like I've seen Shadowlands in things, but is it in this? <laughs> I'm going to say false. It is real. Matt, you get the point. Oh, Number six. How do you pronounce that word? <laughs> Presadian <laughs> Fates. Yeah, go on. Yes, no one's making that up. <laughs> Except the people making the game. Yeah, real. Sound. It sounds like it's a Korean RPG. Kai, did you, what did you say? I said real too, yeah. You're both wrong. It's fake. Oh, <laughs> CJ's done us. Yeah. Number seven. Okay. I don't know if this is a typo or not, but I'm going to read it out as it's written. <laughs> Rise Eterna. Not Eternal, Eterna. I bet that's real. I also think that could be real. It is real. So, <laughs> maybe not a typo. I've got to find out now. No, so, I've got to say, none of these names of these games. You know, you can't judge a book on its cover. And this is literally what we're doing here. Yeah. <laughs> but none is, of these are screaming to me. <laughs> it is, is uh, spelled correctly, Rise Eterna. <laughs> Number eight, Star Razor 2, Return of the Everlight. <laughs> Oh, I mean, that's a good one, because yeah. you know, a two. <laughs> I'm going to go true. Matt, did you say false? I did say false. Matt, you are correct. Hey. It's, it's for all, guys. It's for all. Is all, it? All to play for, yeah. <laughs> Number nine, The Last Equinox. Uh, false. Yeah, false. You're both correct. It is false. <laughs> Got one of them coming up soon, haven't we? Love a good equinox. <laughs> <laughs> um, number 10. Mystopia. Mice, as in squeak mice. Yes, but it's one word, mystopia. <laughs> the thing is, is like the sheer amount of like, now that, now that we're in kind of like the cosy game boom, where all of these mm. sort of like, you know, post Stardew Valley stuff is out. I feel that could be true. Okay. And that might be real. I also thought real. Okay, you're both correct. It is real, apparently. Mystopia. <laughs> I'll be playing that this weekend. Sorry, Sifu. <laughs> uh, let's do a few more. Um, number 11, Vandius, Trial of the Dawnbearer. <laughs> yeah, true. Go on. False. Matt gets the point. It is False. <sighs> Number 12. This is a complete guessing game. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> Number 12. It's, these games is very much like 
work, try and work out how the writer thinks, you know, and then try and work I can't out can't work CJ out. I can't <laughs> yeah. do it. Can't be done. Number 12, Heart of the Dragon. That's you first, isn't it, Matt? Mm. I'm going to say that's that. true. Like, it sounds so generic that some little publisher... I'm going to say it's false. I feel like it's bait. I feel like that sounds like it could be one, so I'm going with false. Cardi, you've solved, you've solved the conundrum. Oh. Yes. <laughs> Okay, uh, so it's seven all. So let's uh, let's let's get to fifteen, and then we'll see where we stand. Oh, is, be, we're at yeah. thirteen. So. This could be winner takes. Oh, okay. Go yeah. on. Number thirteen, Ninth Dawn three, Shadow of Ethereal. Yeah, go on. That's real. <laughs> I love that series. <laughs> False. Not not real. It is real. Cardi gets oh, it. Yes. <laughs> Eight seven. Uh, I'm just let, let's 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 do two more, and I'm just going to scan through the list and see what else we got. That might be good fun. Um, oh god, there's some weird ones here. Here you go. Here's one. <laughs> Cataclysm of Sorrow. <laughs> I've been there. I feel like I've been there. <laughs> <laughs> I've played that game too many times. <laughs> Go on. I think it's False, you first. Isn't I it? think. I don't think that's real. I'm going to say true, just because. Yeah. Okay, it, it is false. So we're at eight all. So let's do oh, let's, let's, let's okay. do this one until someone wins. Yeah, until yeah. <laughs> Shalnor Legends Sacred <laughs> Lands. <laughs> true. See, I think it's true as well. You can do it. We can. We can play yeah. until we disagree. Okay, yeah, you're both correct. It is true. <laughs> Oh. Sounds mad. Um, so uh, that's actually no. Let's read this one. Ash of the Gods Redemption. True. Nah, false. False for me. And the winner is Matt. Congratulations! I know, I know that game's real. <laughs> oh, he's done me with an actual fact. He's, he's beating me with knowledge. <laughs> How dare you bring actual knowledge to the table? Thank you for sending uh, that in, CJ. Um, yeah, like, th- do we do calls for games as often these days? I feel like we don't do it, but we definitely we've like... some. We've got some in the back pocket. We don't just ignore them. Believe me, we 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 do use them. So uh, yeah, yeah. Send always IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN dot com. Uh, yeah, also send your feedback, which we're going to get to now. I've got the first one here from an incredible name from Geronimo <laughs> Stangelmeyer, who says hi, IGN crew from Australia. Always wanted to write in, listen, always listen to you guys when cutting the grass on the golf course. That sounds Ooh. lovely. Uh, I always thought like that would be quite, I imagine it's quite hard work, but quite a relaxing job being like a groundskeeper, like a, like keeping like a golf course That's tidy what, or something uh, like that. Forrest Gump does, doesn't he? When he made, he's made all his millions and then he just wants to be, mm-hmm. just wants to mow some grass. I it's quite nice being at nine a day like this in 90 mile an hour. <laughs> no, dust, no. But, you know, on a nice sunny day. Anyway, Geronimo says, my favourite idea, I think we did a call out for what Star Wars game you want. So Geronimo's is a combination of things you've talked about before. Basically like a mix of GTA Five and Wing Commander. I can imagine the beginning of the solo movie running through corridors of Corellia and stealing a land speeder, switching to Mando on his mission to fight a dragon on Tatooine, to another mission where you're in space flying the Falcon as Rey. It would be an open world with different characters across different timelines across all... This sounds ambitious. Jesus Christ, you're asking for a lot. (laughs) Open world with different characters across different timelines all over the galaxy. (laughs) Everything, everywhere, all at once. (laughs) Maybe even play as a young Darth Vader terrorising the galaxy. 
Kind of like being an evil bastard in Red Dead Redemption 2. The opportunities are endless. <laughs> yep, yep, they are. <laughs> I wouldn't... <laughs> I wouldn't even need a lightsaber wielding Jedi. Okay, we don't need a lightsaber wielding Jedi as long as you can immerse in an open Star Wars world. Walk around starships, towns, and planets. Stroll into the tavern on Tatooine. Play a game of cards. Pick up on a mission or have a fist fight, and then evade stormtroopers that came to investigate. Oh, I could spend hours doing stuff like that. <laughs> Build and expand your Star Wars starship. Or speed racer, level up your guns and gear. That's all I want. <laughs> That's, is that That's all? all <laughs> Just the ultimate Star Wars fantasy. I mean, Jorah, don't get me wrong. I would love that too, but that is a lot of stuff for one game. Like, but I'm into it. If they want to do, if GTA Six is just Star Wars, you know, I wouldn't necessarily dis- disagree with that. Anyway, Jorah's also got some snack feedback, which we also encourage. Says he agrees with Joe. Yes, Baby Bell is amazing, and my toddler gets them in his lunchbox all the time. If he doesn't eat it when he gets home... He doesn't eat I, it. Oh, either. sorry, I, he says he will. So that's, that's good, actually. Put something in your kid's lunchbox they might not want, and you get it yourself. Mm. It's a good tactic. Uh, also coming from Germany originally, I, I did guess that by the name. <laughs> I used to love uh, Milkschnitter... Please let Cardi read it as he is best at German pronunciation. I probably got that wrong. Um, they claimed there is a glass of milk in every bar. Don't they claim that with dairy milk as well? I think there's just a picture of milk, isn't it? I don't no, know the, it's, it's a glass claim. and a half of milk in every so much dairy milk was the at least the original claim. I don't know if that's still how they right. sell it. Mm, who knows? Um, but yeah, it might be about a half a pound of sugar. And also, canoppers are really good. I did mention those before. Canoppers are fantastic. Germans know what they're doing with their snacks. Thank you for that, Geronimo. I hope your Star Wars fantasy comes true because I would love to play it. Uh, I've got the next email, and it's an incredibly short but effective one. So here we go. This is from Mark (laughs) Garcia, and it's titled The Handmaiden. And it says, Cardi, you bed-biting pervert. Think of your goddamn (laughs) reputation next time you recommend a film. Respect the sea. And that's it. <laughs> Thanks for that, Mark. I mean, I'll defend myself. Dale, you said you were going to add this to your watch list. Did I you, did. Did you get round to I it? I did add it to my list, but I had um, several oh, episodes of Love is Blind to watch, so yeah. Oh, so you didn't watch one of the best one of the best films of the 21st century. I will watch century. it. It's in my list. It's um, in my list. But also Power of the Dog's I mean, in my list as well. And they're both films that like... Oh, that's fair. I know good. I will enjoy I, them, but getting to it is it's a challenge sometimes. The Handmaiden is, is far better, in my opinion. But, okay. um, have you seen The Handmaiden, Matt? No, is this the... Is it the director of... Stoker and old, yeah, yeah, Park Chan-wook. Um, yes, it's amazing. Watch it. Um, but yeah, it's a, it is an erotic thriller. There's okay. no getting away from that. But it's an unbelievably good film. So, so is I it, stand by it. Is there a lot of grot? And who in cares? It, about, I do bite my bed. What, what? What of it? Is it grotty? Is what they're saying. It's really grotty. They're, they're, I mean, there might be the odd scene. I mean, it, you know, it's not a full-on like it's not it's not porn, but you know, okay. it's, it's it's heavily erotic. It's an eighteen. You're not watching it with you know people you don't know. <laughs> I wasn't sure that if must he was been an odd cinema experience. I wasn't sure if he was his complaint was he didn't like it. Oh, I don't know. Um, I don't know how you can watch that film and not like it personally. Mm-hmm. But there you go. Uh, yeah, thank you, thank you, Mark. I I will take that as a compliment. Being a bed biting purple. <laughs> You really shouldn't. <laughs> no, I really shouldn't. Nah, it's got me in trouble. Uh, Matt, do you, please save me. 
Okay. Uh, this this last bit of feedback is from Bev, who says, "Hey everyone, I'm just writing in as I've just caught up on the podcast from the past couple of weeks and wanted to weigh in on my usual thing of eating chewing on things after the whole chewing on the bed frame. <laughs> so when I was younger and I was ha- and I would have a bath, I used to dip." Sp- Sponges in my bath and then suck the water out of the sponge and then spit it back in the bath. (laughs) I definitely did that. Not only did I do this, I used to nibble on parts of the sponge so there would be bits, chunks of missing from the sponges in our bathroom. And I thankfully grew out of this habit of eating sponges. <laughs> listening to the story from chewing parts of the wooden bed, I instantly got flashbacks to my own chewing phase. Love the work and guess and you guess it, respect the sea. Mm. Oh, I just get wow. the surely bath sponges just taste like plastic. Well that's the thing, it's kinda like it's making the water <laughs> taste more like the sponge. I don't know. I think it was just more of like a playful thing as but opposed to enjoying even, it. That water's either going to be your filth or like Soap. bubble bath. Like, yeah, like it's not going to taste nice. I'd never way. even thought about it again until I read that. And I was like, when's the yeah, last absolutely. time you did it? Last week? Uh, no, probably when I was like six or something. But I have vivid <laughs> memories of like, yeah, grabbing the sponge, filling it with water, and then like holding it over my face and then like <laughs> putting it into my mouth and then spitting the water back out again. I don't feel as odd about the bed anymore. Uh, like yeah, like sucking sponges in the bath. I mean, but that's just the, that's just a, a u- unique way of consuming water, not actually trying to eat. A wood. unique way of consuming <laughs> water. <laughs> so it's like drinking out of the toilet. I'm, no, I'm not doing that. Very true. <laughs> uh, Matt, do you did you ever do any unusual biting? I don't know if we're talking no. about. Spoken about. No. You've not you've not bitten anything you shouldn't have. I mean, probably at some point, but not like as a. Like a habit. It's like a hobby. You know, yeah. when I was a kid, like, I sucked my thumb like most kids yeah, do. Like, that's same. the weirdest thing I can we, think We did of. get an email, um, sorry, I haven't got your name here, someone who bit their pen lid a lot, which I definitely yes. did. I used to bite pens and pencils all the time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you should do that. You should fidget, don't you, at school? You should something to do. Mm-hmm. So there you go. As usual, send in all your biting habits. Uh, if anyone wants to call me a pervert, go ahead. <laughs> Tell us about Horizon, go ahead. Um, IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com I think it's an easy choice of music this week it's got to be something from Horizon Forbidden West hasn't it if I can find that big battle music I will yeah. if not we'll just go with like the main theme because Aloy's theme is also fantastic mm-hmm. this was a pleasure yep. agree with me come on <laughs> <laughs> yeah give uh, it an hour didn't it I suppose <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I hope everyone stays safe in the wind and yeah, yeah. respect the wind thank you do respect and definitely respect if you're a coastal lurker uh, definitely respect the sea today because it is going to be choppy as all hell yeah. so there we go thank you very much and goodbye toodles bye
Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.